With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Grambling. I'm joined by just one co-host on this one. Connor Orr is here. Jenny Prentiss is uh, uh, taking the week off. She's going to do some advance work on part four of the Mock Draft series. And Connor and I, we're just we're, we're just going to do the two of us on, on part three. I mean, it was just me and Jenny for part one. Seems only fair at this point. It's it's it feels good after you guys irreparably damage the top eight without my permission <laughs> to then allow me to go do the same thing to the middle uh, the middle third of the draft. So I'm very excited about this. So uh, real quick, let me run down the teams we're doing in this one because it, it, it always gets a little dicey because teams you know teams have two first round picks. You all know how the draft works, and we're going to do all 32 teams. So now we're like moving past pick 24, but uh, you'll. You'll get it. But uh, in this one, we have Raiders, Dolphins, football team, Bears, Colts, Titans, Jets, Steelers, Jaguars. Let me give you the quick rundown of the first 16 picks of our mock. Again, we do no trades allowed in this mock draft, and we also give them the guys that really they should take. So once again, when you're watching the draft uh, in 10 days or so, if your team's pick does not match up with what we have given them in the mock draft, you, you are right to be upset because they did not do the right thing. Uh, we are going Jaguars took Trevor Lawrence. Jets took Zach Wilson. 49ers, Trey Lance. Falcons, Penny Sewell. Bengals, Rashawn Slater. Dolphins, Jamar Chase. Lions, Devontae Smith. Panthers, Justin Fields. That's right. They still need a quarterback. Uh, at nine, the Broncos took Mac Jones. Cowboys, Patrick Sertain the second. 
Uh, Giants took Kyle Pitts. What a steal for the Giants. Dave Gettleman, great work. Uh, Eagles at 12, Jalen Waddell. Chargers take Christian Derisaw. Vikings, Jalen Phillips, the edge rusher. Patriots take Micah Parsons. And the Cardinals took Caleb Farley, the cornerback from Virginia Tech. And that lands us on the Raiders. And uh, I know you agree with me, Connor. The Raiders are just... It's it's right on track. They are mistake free for a couple of seasons now, and I mean, do do they just do they just pass at this point? Do they need a first round pick? Yeah, I mean, if you're John Gruden, you've done such a good job um, to this point in building the roster that um, you could you could take a year off. Um, can I just add, by the way, that I'm a hundred percent certain that Justin Fields is going to the 49ers now. This isn't a report, yeah. but or Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Uh, yes. Uh, it's one of those two. Um, I, I just have to, I just have to say that. Uh, I think the Mac Jones thing is going to look so silly in about three weeks. I agree with you. And, um, and we might look incredibly stupid 10 days from now, but, uh, uh, I agree with you. I, I think it's going to be Trey Lance. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked by Justin Fields. I still would be shocked somewhat shocked i mean everyone else is throwing it out there so i can't be that shocked but but still somewhat shocked if they took mac jones it's just it's kyle shanahan sees what's going on around the league he wants one of he, he wants a guy who can like you know run around a little bit and you can make some off-platform throws and you can expand your playbook a little bit i don't think he just wants uh kirk cousins jr yeah uh, and it's funny i mean and, and i do this exercise with a lot of teams when you're building your mock draft because there are those moments when coaches are unusually candid um in a press conference and they talk about things that they actually do like and things that they actually do need that they don't have and there's been two or three times that kyle shanahan has sat there and said we need a guy to run the foot like a quarterback to run the football and it's just like it's crazy to me that that is being so overlooked um, at this point, but um, to spin it forward to the Raiders pick, I, I just think that um, that theme is universal. John Gruden just happens to do it a lot more than other coaches, and he happens to because he happens to need a lot more things than other coaches because he's not good at what he's doing. Um, but uh, you know, there are uh, certainly some breadcrumbs I think um, uh, that he's left out on the trail as well. Well, what uh, what breadcrumbs do you refer to, Connor? Can you not see him? Uh, uh, I I have, um, I mean, again, this entire, my appearance on this podcast is just me fighting for the things that I, in my own mock draft. So <laughs> I will just, I'm speaking for myself, um, but I have them taking um, Micah Parsons from Penn State. Mm-hmm. And um, for the first reason being like, couldn't you just see him coming out on draft day and just being like, yeah, man, Penn State, linebackers. Like, that's that's what's going on. Like, we need to get tough. And, uh, you know, this guy's a tough guy. And Penn State, linebackers. Um, and then that's what would happen. However, um, the other side of that coin is like, they've been three for three now on first-round picks. Two for two, I think, first-round picks where everybody's just like, what was that? Um, uh, so who knows, but cause Parsons would actually seem to make a little bit of sense there. He can rush the passer. He's going to be in the middle of that defense. Um, you know, Gus Bradley needs that guy that can get sideline to sideline to do a lot of stuff like that. And I, I don't think you can run that system without somebody like Parsons. So that to me makes sense as the pick there. Yeah. But Parsons is off our board, Connor. So what? I, the, the question, yeah, Parsons went, uh, 
Oh, 15 to the Patriots. Oh, I should have known we had the Penn Stater on the podcast last yeah. week. Yeah. So we're we're looking at uh I think these these two linebackers are really interesting. Parsons I think is a guy who can do it all, but if I were that. taking Parsons, I think I'd be most excited about his blitz ability or or mm-hmm. even the ability to just put a hand in the dirt and just line up as an edge rusher in obvious passing situations. Uh Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa out of uh Notre Dame, mm-hmm. he's a guy who I'd be much more excited about uh matching up with a tight end and and maybe even standing over over slot receiver a little bit and, and sort of holding his own there as his own defender. Uh, I think his strength is coverage. Now, if you're if you're looking elsewhere, I mean, on our board, Elijah Vera Tucker is still there. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one moderately complimentary thing about uh, about John Gruden's roster building here. Uh, I don't think you need a great offensive line. Uh, in Vegas, when Derek Carr's your quarterback, Derek Carr's always been very good at getting the ball out. One might say early in his career, uh, a little too good at getting the ball out quickly. And it really made, uh, you know, it, it, people thought Donald Penn was uh, basically Walter Jones playing left tackle there. And he was fine. He was a good player, but he wasn't, you know, spectacular. He just didn't give up sacks because, you know, ball was coming out immediately. It was like uh, what Ben Roethlisberger did a year ago. So I actually didn't have a huge issue with kind of the teardown of that offensive line. I think they were a little overinvested there, and it's not a crucial part of their offense. I know that sounds ridiculous to say, but, uh, you know, I I was okay with them moving on. So I could see them addressing offensive line. Like you said, they – Boy, they have spent on that secondary. They have spent draft picks on that secondary since since Mayotte got there with uh, uh, with Gruden, and those dudes just it really hasn't worked out. It's 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 a rough group, and you almost feel bad being like, well, let's go back to the well with another defensive back here. Uh, I mean, it might be too early to pull the plug on some of these guys, but. Uh, it's not working back there. I guess the other issue is they really haven't had a pass rush the last couple of years, and, and now you're adding Gawkway, and maybe you have something cooking there. But um, that's a lot of stuff I just threw out there, and uh, I know your heart is still mending after uh, being reminded that Micah Parsons is not available in this exercise. So here's the perfect thing, though, is that if any coach were to make a draft pick and send in the card of a guy who had already been selected by another team... <laughs> Uh, you know, don't you think it would be John Gruden uh, or, or like a, or like a half asleep Dave Gettleman? She's like, what? Okay. All right. Never mind. There's some, some complications with the zoom call. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I agree. Um, I think that offensive line is probably the next best option there that said, um, you have me nervous now. Like I'm, I'm, I have to go back now three or four times just to look at um, uh, all the people who um, who got taken. You know, th- there's a J.C. Horn. You know, you could take someone like that um, at this pick. Um, you know, a guy that I've really gotten to love, and I'm gonna mispronounce his name, so it shows like uh, kind of <laughs> crushes my point here. But Trevin. Um, Morig Woodard from TCU um, is really fun to watch. Can play a bunch of positions, um, super versatile. Um, you know, maybe that's a guy that you want there. But offensive tackle does seem like, you know, 
the pick at this point, just because if you look at their, if you look at what they are right now up front, uh, it, it's not good, right? I mean, it's it's a little bit of an unmitigated disaster. And yes, Derek Carr gets the ball out quick, but like, you know, right now you have what Brandon Parker is your right tackle. Um, maybe Richie Incognito's coming back again to play guard. Colton Miller actually did play a lot better last year. Yeah. Um, but, um, I mean, you know, that at least takes care of some of your business. It keeps Josh Jacobs moving a little bit. Um, so I don't know. I mean, this is a tough one. I think you scapegoated though, to your point, you scapegoated the defense so much last year and you switched coordinators to the point where you can't ignore that either. And you, and you probably can't go into the season with Damon Arnett and I don't know, Traven Mullen. Yeah. As your cornerbacks? I mean, I is, mean that's that, the plan, I guess. That's the thing. It's like, look, Damon Arnett's a first-round pick from last year. Trayvon Mullen's a, a day-two pick from the year before. Uh, I don't. Again, I don't want to sit here and say, like, oh, those guys can't play. Uh, you know, Mullen's been, let's call it up and down generously for two seasons, and, and Arnett probably wasn't quite what you needed him to be last year. So uh, do you... <laughs> Do you need to go get another cornerback, and uh, or, or do you sort of get caught up in the uh, again sunk cost fallacy? Is what it might look like in a year or two. Yeah, this is tough. I, I mean, there's a few things like uh, there are some things you could probably, if you're Gruden, look at and say, okay, I can probably talk myself into this. Like, right, I can convince myself that Carl Joseph and Jonathan Abram is going to be a formidable safety duo. I can convince myself that Cleland Farrell, Jonathan Hankins, and Solomon Thomas and Max Crosby could get it done on the defensive line. I don't know if I could convince myself that of two things, that this linebacking core is going to be able to operate um, Gus Bradley's defense and that these cornerbacks are going to be able to hang um, in this defense. And it's a different system. You know, it's not um, what Paul mm-hmm. Gunther runs. You know, maybe if you're Mayock, you're all of a sudden looking for different guys and you're looking for different things. You know, it's all, these are all questions worth asking, you know. And so I think, to me, it's still, it, it's linebacker, it's cornerback, or it's or it's offensive line. But, in, and, you know, luckily for the Raiders, you're so bad that, you know, any of these <laughs> seem like a good idea, so... I I like the idea of J.C. Horn here in a Gus Bradley offense, and and you could take Arnett and make him your full time slot guy, and um kind of kind of lay your head to sleep at night and feel okay about it. Uh, I do look. We have Vera Tucker kind of sliding here. I really like Vera Tucker. Like I said, I I think you could play. Elijah Vera Tucker at tackle if you wanted to. He's probably best at guard. Uh, I think we just haven't found a team with that howling need at this point uh, to take him off of our board. But uh, I like J.C. Horn here if, if I was going to go defense. I, I think that's my favorite picker for the Raiders. I like it, and I think that Vera Tucker's slide could be ending very soon. Ooh. All right. We are on to the Miami Dolphins, who obviously we uh, – uh, we had a pick with them, what, two shows ago? They, they're picking up at six. We gave them Jamar Chase. So they have, at this point, you know, if, if they hypothetically have added Jamar Chase uh, along with Will Fuller coming in this offseason, then you already have Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. Uh, we can we can pretty much cross off wide receiver as a need on this board. Uh, but, yeah, so you're looking, again, 
Offensive line, uh, that is another spot, you know, kind of similar to the Raiders. It's like, okay, well, you have made investments there. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Austin Jackson at this point as your left tackle, the, uh, left tackle of the future? Uh, you know, how do you how do you feel about uh, you know Robert Hunt? Uh, there there are ways you could sort of squint and be pretty, uh, you know warm and fuzzy about this young offensive line, but, you know, there are certainly spots you can get better here. Yeah, and you added Matt Skura in the offseason. So, uh, you know, I, I think this is a good unit, but, again, I think that there's so much, there's going to be so much um, effort put into legitimizing to a Tonga Vailoa and kind of making it happen for him this year that I think you probably just do the safe thing and – and, and you give him a guy here. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of what else, you know, what else does Miami need? They need safety play, right? They need, um, and and with Brian Flores, uh, could he theoretically be pounding the table for that Patrick Chung type player who can mm-hmm. sort of arrange all the pieces, um, which is why, you know, I, I kind of liked um, Mo Rig Woodard from TCU. Like I thought he was a great player that could slide in nicely there, but um but if if the value is as such, right, and the board is set the way that it is, I think it would be difficult for them to ignore um, someone like, um, you know, someone like that, or, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker, um, you know, uh, Tevin Jenkins is still on the board, um, Sam Cosme is still on the board, you know, there's some there's some offensive line talent, you know. Yeah, I would, uh, and I hadn't really thought about Morig as a uh, Morig Woodard as an option here for Miami. I like that a lot now that now that you mention it. Uh, they could use some edge help, of course. Uh, Brian Flores, being a, a Patriots disciple, you you manufacture your pre- your pass rush as opposed to uh, loading up uh, on pure edge guys. So, um, yeah, I probably like Vera Tucker here too. Uh, you're you're probably going to keep Robert Hunt at tackle for another year. I think a year ago you would have talked about moving him to guard, but uh, you could probably take a Vera Tucker and slide him in at right guard for the time being, and and see how that end uh, ends up working out. Solomon Kinley becomes sort of a a nice reserve dude to have, and Eric Flowers stays in the lineup, and everyone's uh pretty happy when it's all said and done. Especially if Flowers continues to develop like I do think he's gotten slightly better every year um Mm -hmm. since that awful year um the awful rookie year in New York like I do think he's getting better um and 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 if not you know if the bubble bursts there then Vera Tucker is nice you know you have someone that you can kind of punch in Mm -hmm. in any of those spots and you can play two positions well and I just think that's so important because here's another thing Flores comes from the Patriots tree that obsesses over what cross-training offensive linemen, offensive linemen who can do multiple things and, and, and fit into multiple positions. And so I think that's, uh, you know, that's good. That's, uh, that checks a box. Lots of boxes checked here for the Dolphins in this draft. They get uh, Elijah Vera Tucker here with their second pick of the first round, and that moves us to football team. Uh, and their first pick here, and uh, uh, I mean, look, they are they are still in that market for quarterbacks. We probably don't have another guy coming off the board in the first round. The 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 big five, we'll call it, if you want to throw Mac Jones in there, is off the board in this exercise. Davis Mills probably doesn't quite 
I, I could see him slipping in around one if someone wants to get that fifth year option on him, but uh, probably doesn't quite work out for him uh, this high in the draft. So uh, if you're looking at Washington, you're probably, again, looking at addressing that offensive line. You know, is Jaron Christian your, uh, your answer at left tackle? You're probably not wild about it. Uh, they, as we know, they've They've invested quite a bit in that front seven. Uh, maybe the linebacker spot's a bit of a weakness, and uh, you know they they uh, uh, boy who did they who did they flip in? They ended up getting uh, William Jackson after losing Ronald Darby in in the defensive backfield. That's a pretty good looking defensive backfield at this point. Uh, so those are probably your needs here in Washington. Connor, what direction would you like to go in? It's an interesting question because if you're Washington, you're almost the exact opposite of Miami where, you know, in Miami or New England, you use your secondary to create the pass rush. But in Washington, you have the pass rush. And not that you can ever lapse on secondary because you'll get killed if you do that. But, um, you know, I think that there are more pressing needs. um, And the temptation is there where if you hit on a left tackle, you – probably have the there's a chance that you have one of the best offensive lines in football and the best defensive line in football which is probably pretty tempting uh if you're washington like i I would lean offensive line here just because you can control both lines of scrimmage in a crappy division that you could win with eight uh you know uh, eight game you know eight wins again I, i i think that that's the strategy especially you know you give ryan fitzpatrick time back there and he can make anything happen so uh, I like all these things. God, you make uh, Dave Gettleman so jealous if you had a, <laughs> had a great offensive line and great defensive line. Uh, as far as the remaining uh, offensive line, offensive tackles specifically, uh, prospects on our board, you're probably looking at Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan and Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. I, I like Jenkins. I think Jenkins is more likely to translate to left tackle. And again, we, we sort of overstate it because, you know, left tackle, right tackle, not a, not a huge difference in the modern NFL, but... Uh, I think if you're looking for a guy with sort of a chance to hold up as in sort of the classic left tackle role, I think Jenkins is more likely at this point than uh, than Mayfield, who to me is a little bit more of a question mark, a little bit more of a project there. Yeah, I, I have Jenkins there in my mock draft. Um, I think he's great. Um, he's gigantic. Um, he can. I. It was so fun to watch Oklahoma State play. Um, you know some of the more inferior opponents on their schedule this year and just watch him just clobber people. Um, He's just like a giant guy. Uh, And I think that's fun. So I'm totally down with that. I think that's a good pick. Um, And, uh, you know, Dave Gettleman, again, uh, just doesn't get his hog molly, and he gets to see a hog molly uh, go in in somewhere else in the division. So that's not fun. No. No, just tears streaming down his face with this one as football mm-hmm. team selects Tevin Jenkins, the uh, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma State to bookend with Morgan Moses there. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that saying? with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Uh, and that brings us to the Bears at 20. Bears, we know uh, they're in the quarterback market. That's probably not going to happen at this point. Uh, so you're probably, again, this is a team, two needs kind of stand out to me here. Um, one is offensive line, which I think they have, they've kind of addressed the interior the last couple of years. They really haven't addressed the tackle spots a whole lot and just not been a very good line and the issue for them is you are going to have to lean on that run game quite a bit this year and look it worked against some sort of bad opponents in the second half of last year do you trust that going forward or not uh i'm not quite sure you can uh the other spot is cornerback and which it just it didn't seem like it was going to be a need for them and then they had to move on from uh kyle fuller because uh and i want to be clear this is only because the cap got lowered is why they had to cut kyle fuller it's not because mm. they uh i don't know did stuff like throw obscene amounts of money at robert quinn to record two sacks over the course of a season it was it was all because of the cap uh but they suddenly have a need at cornerback here uh, you know e- even if you are trusting jalen johnson to take 
uh, a step forward in year two here. I, I, I just, Desmond Trufant was just a wonderful player in his prime. Uh, and it's just not there for him anymore. I, I, I don't think you can trust a true font, uh, Artie Burns. I mean, it's it's kind of looking nasty um, at that cornerback spot at this point. So those are the two spots I kind of struggle for them, uh, offensive tackle and cornerback. And you wonder if they sort of had an eye on cornerback when they decided that Kyle Fuller was going to be a cap casualty. Yeah, I had cornerback for them in my mock draft. It just makes the most sense if you break out, you know, what's – well, for in our exercise, based on what's left on the board, A and B, um, kind of that hierarchy, I have a feeling that they are going to take a high upside developmental quarterback in round two. Um, so maybe they try to get back up for um, a Mills or a Kellen Mond has been linked to them mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit. And so I, I think those are kind of interesting names for them. But yeah, I mean... Th- if you're Ryan Pace, like you're just trying to like, you know, it's like those old fashioned telephone switchboards. If you're trying to get one thing to make the other piece work and maybe if you improved your coverage a little bit, I mean, Cleo Mack's been phenomenal there, but you know, maybe it just makes him that much more phenomenal and noticeably phenomenal. And so I think that, uh, you know, maybe that's, uh, maybe, maybe that's what you do, but yeah, they need help at a lot of places. Um, they, this, this roster is like Raiders-esque almost, you know? It's not good, and, and that's hollow. the thing. That's the one thing I'll say in Ryan Pace's defense. It's like, you know, we're going to this year, and it's like they have a playoff mandate. It's playoffs, or like they're gonna clean house. And it's like, well, I mean, they made the playoffs last year. <laughs> I think they, I think they deserve some degree of credit. And we, you know, we all know it was a little bit fluky, okay, but they still made the playoffs. They played in the playoff game, and it's almost like had they just collapsed last year and went. 5 and 11, 6 and 10, and been picking a little bit higher, and then maybe the quarterbacks are in range. So, I, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It's not easy being Ryan Pace right now. I will say this in his favor. There are a lot of things that I like about Ryan Pace, and well, not a lot, because I'm going to list them. It's, there's two things. The first <laughs> is that he's aggressive, and yep. the second is that he doesn't allow himself to be pigeonholed by bad decisions. Like Everyone's like, he screwed up the quarterback uh, uh, selection process. Yes, he did. There's no doubt about that. But what did he do? He didn't sign him to a second bad contract and, you know, uh, and, and pinch his ears and throw a fit and fire the coach and get a million people to try to fix him. He knew that he messed up. Everybody knew that he messed up and he got another guy in there. And so I do like the fact that like, he does seem to be acutely aware of the mistakes that he makes over the course of time. And so, you know, that was why I made the case for him drafting a quarterback in the first round. I don't think there's anybody that position that's in a better spot because, you know, Imagine how much better you would be the second time around if you screwed up, but you don't. You never get that chance, right? Yeah. You never get mm-hmm. that chance to to take a second one. But I would be interested in how many of these guys would do a better job if they learned their lesson the first time. You know, I don't know. Those are just a no. It's look. It's a good point. And the the general manager whose team just won the Super Bowl this year. Now, granted, it doesn't take a rocket science scientist to say Tom Brady wants to play on our team. Let's let's let him play on it. But. Uh, you know how many how many people sort of survive messing up with the first overall pick? Jameis Winston didn't work out in Tampa, and and uh, Jason Light got another chance, and now he is a Super Bowl champion. So, um, 
as far as who we are giving the Bears here, I think Greg Newsom is kind of the 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 clear cut top cornerback left on our board. I like Newsom a lot. I think Newsom could easily end up being the second or third best cornerback in this class here. And and plus he he just he lives right there. He you know went to Northwestern, so that's true. They would the save a lot on Uber stuff you know they wouldn't have to pay him they could do what um the browns did in the movie draft day and they could have him at the facility um like minutes after the pick you know and that i think that would be a nice thing so there there you go do you ever find yourself doing that by the way when you do mock drafts like you constantly give like like i i feel like every year i mock like an lsu guy to the saints because it's like oh well yeah of course he's you know He's right there. They couldn't They couldn't miss him. They must have seen his game at some point. The thing that I do reflexively while I'm doing mock drafts, and I've talked to Jenny about this a lot, we both, before we came here, worked for um, the Star-Ledger, which is the state, the paper of record for the state of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And um, it, every year the draft was an obsession in finding everyone from New Jersey because that's all you did was do <laughs> stories about people who lived, you know, and even if it was like, you know, one time, like the ninth overall pick spent like a summer in Milburn and you were like, yes. And so I still like find myself reflexively get super excited over every prospect that has played one year of high school football in new jersey so that's like my odd draft tick but i do like that one too like oh that's neat like he lives there and then the team could be right there well what a uh what a great story here for the bears taking greg newsom the second cornerback out of northwestern i bet no sports writer will try to tackle that one and (laughs) and all will be forgiven for all of the missteps that is that have happened (laughs) hometown hero to the chicago bears and that brings us to the colts at 21, who are they're Look, they're looking for a left tackle here. I don't know if it's as desperate a need as it would have been if Phillip Rivers was still your quarterback. Uh, obviously, Carson Wentz has his issues, but he is a guy who can protect himself to an extent. So uh, I think they're in a spot where if they're taking a tackle here, it's a guy they like. If they're not taking a tackle, I mean, you're you're probably looking at, you know, do, do they try and ramp up this pass rush a little bit more? Do they address the cornerback spot? Uh, something like that. Although they've, I mean, they've done so well with that defense. Matt Eberflus is going to be like a victim of his own uh, success here. You're just going to say like, I don't know, we never, we never put a ton into this defense. We got him divorced Buckner, and other than that, it's just a bunch of dudes, and they're fine. So, uh Looking at the board here, I think the tackles are really interesting. Again, Jalen Mayfield, I like Jalen Mayfield. I think he's a bit of a developmental guy. I don't know if he's a guy who's going to be particularly strong uh, in pass protection. I I think he's a guy who's going to need some help out there. Uh, And frankly, you kind of already have a guy like that in Braden Smith. That is, again, not a liability, but... You kind of don't want a situation where you need help on both sides of the line. Um, but it's a pretty steep fall off after that. I like Sam Cosme, the uh, the, the Texas guy, the six seven dude. I like Alex Leatherwood um, out of Alabama as guys who are probably riskier and probably a little bit, uh, if you're making a straight-up draft board, they're going to come in after Mayfield. But uh, I like them as guys who potentially could hold up in sort of classic left tackle spots if you were to try and develop them that way you wonder too if um you know 
I know that they obviously did a lot of homework on Quentin Nelson and, you know, with their time there, with their connections there, if they didn't find a way to fall in love with someone like Liam Eikenberg uh, mm. from Notre Dame, who's a guy that I think could slip into the first round, um, you know, probably more like the back end of the first round, but he does have the size um, and being a left tackle for Ian Book, um, you know, you're going to run a lot of similar offensive concepts, um, you know, and, and do a ton of that zone blocking. And I mean, that offensive line was super dominant and, you know, I, you know, I guess you'd have to go back to, um, you know, the Alabama game and see how he graded out there, but, you know, did make some really nice plays against Clemson, um, and had some, uh, you know, good games against, uh, you know, some of their better opponents there. So I don't know, that's a guy that could jump on the board there, but I agree. I mean, I have them taking a pass rusher. Um, pass rusher makes a lot of sense for me, but um, you make a good point with um, uh, with Eberflus. I mean, he's done such a good job that maybe you think, okay, let's let's bolster the Wentz pick here a little bit and, and give him something to to work with. Yeah, they're they're in a bit of a uh, best player available type of spot here. If they want to go with a, a Gregory Rousseau or a Quiddy Pay or. A... Uh, one of those guys. Oh, Quiddy Pay is still on the board. Quiddy Pay is still on the board. Jalen Phillips is still on the board. No, Phillips is gone. Phillips we gave right. to the Vikings. That's right. That's right. John Gruden did that again. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, um, oh, man, this is fun. Um, I don't know. We kind of toss look, up. We kind of said they can go uh, best player available. You got really excited about Quiddy Pay, who I I like just fine. Uh, yeah, uh, this is tough. Uh, I don't know. I I think if it was anybody else that wasn't Chris Ballard, I would automatically put a tackle there. Mm-hmm. But but Ballard is not like I do think he's above the administrative BS and wouldn't just draft a left tackle to make the Carson Wentz trade look less bad. Um, so I don't know. Maybe let's do a pass rusher here. All right, we can go Quiddy Pay here to the Colts. And look, nice. it's like like I said, Sam Cosme and and Alex Leatherwood. Those guys might still be on the board round two. I you know I I don't know if they quite make one of it those into three tackles 50s. that we mentioned is going to be there for them. In yeah, the round, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I think you could live with whoever you end up taking in round two. Uh, again, and look, it's going to come down to do they <laughs> do they like who's there? Do they like the player? Uh, but uh, we'll give him quitty pay here, and we'll move on to, uh, we're saying the AFC South with the Titans here, who, of course, uh, they've been trying to figure out this pass rush that has just not been very good at all. Uh, Bud Dupree is in. He'll play opposite Harold Landry. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, they hope, emerges as sort of like a superstar here, and we'll see how this one ends up going. But, uh, yeah, as far as... Uh, their other needs go. I mean, they they basically every cornerback who ever played in the state of Tennessee was uh, was sent packing. So they they have a need at cornerback here. And uh, you know, other than that, you're probably uh, you know, we as we know, right tackle is still is still a uh, need for them. Uh, and other than that, I don't know. You're 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 maybe shopping for a tight end after losing. Um, Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith. I I love Johnny Smith, and now I just I, I feel bad. I'm gonna 
pencil him a very nice apology letter. But, uh, uh, yeah, so they they have some holes in this roster here. I mean, they you look at the corner. They, they, they went out and got Janoris Jenkins and Kevin Johnson as sort of patchwork guys here. Christian Fulton's a guy they took a year ago, so they kind of were building toward this. Chris Jackson played kind of pretty well for them for uh, for a day three pick last year. But uh, I I feel like it's just such a such a glaring need at cornerback right now. After they had, you know, maybe it's just a result of of having three good ones for so long. Yeah, I would say reading the tea leaves on this one and kind of keeping an eye on who they've been uh, doing some work on. I I I feel very good about the fact that the Titans are taking a cornerback here. Um, I uh, I not that. Our next pick, I'm I'm gonna actually etch into stone, but this pick I would probably like I would mold into a firm clay. So, I like that's, that. That's where I feel about that. But the question is who? Yeah, uh, I have someone that I like. I don't know who do you like there? Oh, who do you? Uh, it, it, Kelvin Joseph is the last guy on my sort of uh, we'll call it a half-ass big board here. I, I honestly. Look, I think there's a good chance a J.C. Horn or a Greg Newsom or maybe even a Caleb Farley, we keep on hearing about his medicals, uh, ends up falling to 22 here. But as far as this exercise goes, you're probably looking at um, you're looking at Kelvin Joseph. Um, the other dude I really like who is not going in the first round, but uh, uh, I, I think he ends up coming off the board and say Robert Rochelle, who's uh, he's the he's the He's the testing guy. I'll say it. It's fine. I'll admit it. I like it. But uh, he's a, uh, what, what was he, Central Arkansas uh, prospect here who, who look, I think he's going to play in the NFL. I think he's going to be really good, but I think he's probably a day two pick. I have um, uh, another name to kind of just throw a uh, hat into the ring there is Eric Stokes. Um, mm-hmm. from Georgia, fastest cornerback in the draft. Um, we know with the Dory Jackson, they love the measurables. You know, they love those, like, the things, the play speed that you can't really replicate, and maybe they're hoping that the aggressiveness and everything like that, like, you can teach, um, you know, you can kind of teach him the system. But, um, you know, I, I think with the the way that the, uh, the, way that the league is going and how many, you know, speed-centric speed dominant wide receivers or in that division especially like maybe you look at a guy like that who's going to match people step for step and, and and at georgia did not get beat on deep balls it was pretty incredible um you know uh and kind of seasoned under deandre baker a little bit there and then uh came into his zone as a starter there but that's another guy I like there but i i i think they're doing their homework on the cornerbacks i i, I feel pretty good about that I'm uh, I'm good with Eric Stokes there. The, the thing that's kind of funny to me about the Georgia cornerbacks here, uh, Eric Stokes, and then you have a little bit more of a uh, size speed project in Tyson Campbell. If you if you go in that direction, uh, I feel like the biggest reason people are downgrading them is because look, they 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 did not fare well against the Alabama wide receivers, but. By the same token, like nobody fared well against the Alabama right. wide receiver. Like everyone, every cornerback who played Alabama this year that's in the draft, and anytime someone wants to put together like their their Twitter thread on like, oh, I don't know about this guy, it's always like Devonte Smith 
like cooking them up and it's like well Devontae smith kind of did that to everyone like you know you can you you can grab your uh i don't know not to bust on greg newsome you can grab your greg newsome rutgers film and be like oh look at him lock these guys down it's you know it's Devontae smith he's hard to cover nobody covered jalen waddle he's hard to cover that's the way it goes yeah think about eric stokes um and i guess i'm a little bit biased um you know we're gonna have a story on him next week uh coming out but i did talk to him last week and i thought it was really interesting that you know he was he was kind of talking about uh exactly what you're saying you know he's like yeah i played jalen waddle i played smith i played jamar chase i played you know um all these great you know the great joe burrow lsu offense like i played all those guys you know uh jefferson all those guys you know and you know and every day in practice you know you're you're playing against kind of the heart of the sec talent wide receivers and stuff and why isn't that your baseline especially if a guy's got great measurables and he's healthy like Mm -hmm. i i would guess that like why isn't your thought process the same as it is with wide receivers where you'd want to start there with a guy who has the most practice against elite talent like that um and the most experience um you know and that defense seems to translate relatively well to the nfl and so I, i think there's a lot of things to like there Eric Stokes is our guide to the Titans at 22, which brings us to the Jets, who also could probably use a cornerback at this point. Uh, This is obviously the Jets' second pick of the first round. We haven't taken Zach Wilson uh, with the number two overall pick. But uh, uh, if you're the Jets, you you could probably, even though you brought in Carl Lawson, you're probably still looking for maybe another edge guy for Robert Sala's defense here. Uh, Tight end is a spot. I don't know if there's a second tight end who goes in the first round here. Um, I mean, look, they're, they're rebuilding. We, uh, you know, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know, the Jets already won free agency at this point. So, uh, they're on the right track. They address some needs, but, uh, I think it's kind of finding system fits and, and, and look, one interesting thing that they did last year and interesting, I say that in kind of the nicest possible way, uh, they have issues on the offensive line. They brought in kind of a bunch of dudes and, similar to you know what I said about the Raiders defensive backfield or or what I said about the Dolphins offensive line you could probably look at it and be like oh yeah you had some signs of good things maybe coming here but you know if you have a chance to to upgrade I think you go ahead and do it on the offensive line yeah no I agree I think all those things you know the offensive line makes me very nervous especially if you're drafting a uh you know quarterback at number two um but um this is the one pick that I feel like you could probably chisel in stone. I think Robert Saul is getting an edge guy uh, with the second first round pick. I think that the first first round pick is for you know um, uh, for Joe Douglas and for the future of the franchise. The second first round pick is to make his defense work the way that he needs to work it. And uh, I think it's best edge available. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna pound the table for that. Well, we got uh, in our exercise here. We got Greg Rousseau just sitting there. Uh, after that, you're probably looking at, uh, Aziz Ojolari sitting there. I love Ojolari and I feel like no one else loves him. Like I love him. Uh, I would, (laughs) I I would, I would take Ojolari like in, in the early teens. If one of those teams hires me as a general manager in the next, uh, uh, three or four days here. Uh, I just, I mean, look, the other thing is I'm, I'm absolutely terrible at actually assessing, edge rushers because anyone who's super fast and bendable i just think is going to be i don't know the the next uh uh 
whoever your favorite Aaron Maben fast <laughs> yes <laughs> that's who they end up being right. I think they're all like uh, I think he's just a faster Bruce Smith is what I think he is kind of <laughs> No, it's well, perfect. Uh, like Harold Landry. I thought Harold Landry was just going to be an absolute monster in the NFL. And yes, he's, you did. He's, he's fine. Like, he's totally fine. He's just, you know, it, it, could Aziz Ojolari be another Harold Landry? Probably. But uh, I would take him very high. Joe Tryon is, is, is another guy. Uh, he also uh, – Tryon, I always try to mock to, like, odd front defenses and have him standing up because that's what he did at Washington. But, Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I would be happy with any of these edge guys. I don't know if Ojolari's necessarily like, you know, I don't know if you want someone slightly heavier there. I mean, I'm, he's going to come in about 240 pounds. And yeah. Are you going to want his hand in the dirt there? Are you going to, like, would you be more interested in him if you're a true 3-4 team? Lawson, you know? yeah, Lawson's already a little bit light um, on that one edge, so you're probably not going to go with another super light guy, which, which probably has you looking at, uh, again, you're probably looking at Rousseau, um, and who else did I throw out there? You're probably looking at Rousseau. The way our board is shaken out here. Yeah, I, I I think that's good. I mean, I I I like that pick. I mean, I have a weird feeling too that, um, just looking at kind of reading the tea leaves and and seeing how good of a job, because a lot of this is salesmanship. Uh, from the coaches too, from the college coaches. And I think that Manny Diaz being down there has really helped mm-hmm. the the player transition to the NFL. Like I think he's done a good job of selling people on these guys, you know, and uh, and making some of these guys into first round picks. And so uh, I, I think that's you know worth noting. I think he probably pounds the table for someone like Rousseau, and you know, there's a lot of talent there. And you know, I don't think that anybody's going to uh, complain about the opt-out thing. I mean, our colleague Alex Pruitt did a great uh, story with Rousseau, but, you know, I, that doesn't bother me, and I don't think yeah. that's going to bother teams either. Yep. No, I, I think you're really going to worry about Rousseau. It's, you know, kind of a one-year wonder type of deal, and, and I think you just you live with that, and that's, that's just the way it is. Uh, so Gregory Rousseau to the Jets at 23, which brings us to the Steelers at 24. Now, the Steelers, you, you could probably circle cornerback uh, uh, as a need. Uh, maybe you want a little more depth at linebacker after things kind of fell apart there in, in the worst possible way, though you're probably you're probably feeling okay about it with Devin Bush coming back. Maybe you want to go find, uh, you know, do you believe in Alex Highsmith at this point? And even if you don't, maybe you want a third head rusher. But the thing that I find fascinating about the Steelers offense is – are they going to do? Are they gonna do something different than they did last year? They never evolved past this sort of, uh, you know, they they came out early in the year with this quick strike offense and this this motion and this horizontal attack, and it was new and it was like, oh, that's really cool. They never did this stuff before, and just wait until they start building off of it, and then they just never built off of it. They just stuck with the same quick strike thing all year. Uh, if you are opting to do that, and I don't think that's a great idea but should they opt to do that you're probably looking at the offensive line and just saying okay yeah we're fine with uh you know uh Chuya Korafor and and Zach Banners or tackles and you know because it's just not uh, kind of like uh, we talked about early in the show with Derek Carr it's just not a high priority thing to to build up your pass protection when the ball is coming out two seconds after the snap if you are going to expand your offense which I think they should probably try to be doing then you're probably looking at getting some reinforcements for this offensive line 
I agree. I mean, Matt Canada is, you know, the new coordinator and, you know, I think a guy who is super underrated in terms of his influence on the league, a lot of the Sean McVay stuff came from uh, some of the stuff that uh, Canada was doing in college at the time. Like uh, some of that motion stuff was, was stuff that was really heavily sampled from uh, some of his work. And so you need offensive line help to make that work. I mean, you know, all the teams that run versions of that, um, you know, gimmick and versions of that kind of, flavor of their offense need offensive line help and I just think if you're Pittsburgh like I mean they're going to draft another pass rushing linebacker so why are we (laughs) talking about this but um, you know are you really going to go into next year needing a quarterback a left tackle like like maybe you got it like you got to fix one of these things now you know what I mean and 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 take care of one of them because you know like how threadbare is this roster going to be here in a year, especially when Ben Roethlisberger leaves? So you're probably looking at uh, the offensive line project. Jalen Mayfield, again, uh, is a guy who, again, we're, we're speaking in shorthand because there's not a huge difference between left tackle, right tackle, but uh, he's probably more right tackle slash kick him inside type of deal. I don't know if he's a guy you plug and play immediately. If you're looking in that direction, you're probably looking at Alex Leatherwood or Liam Eichenberg if you want immediate help there even if those guys are not quite the the difference makers that um that Mayfield has a chance to become down the line uh and then you're you know again you're looking at Sam Cosme you're you're uh you got some other options there but I think those are the guys I'd circle uh Leatherwood and Eichenberg we will we will lazily throw uh into the same category as sort of the maybe safer options to plug onto your offensive line and then uh mayfield is kind of the maybe not quite ready for prime time but probably the higher upside guy yeah um yeah no i i I think i'm good with any of those and i don't know i mean if you're the steelers like i just i just don't know what else you're gonna do right like i I just i think any other pick seems insane to me (sighs) right running backs been being thrown around there's no way with, with them they did it i remember when they did it with rashard Man- mendenhall and it was kind of like oh they they just you know it was one of those like well he's high on our board we didn't need him but we took him uh if they take a think- running back in round one let me think i will <laughs> let me think you're gonna immediately regret it well, they're going to immediately regret it, but yeah. um, well, now everyone regrets it. I hope you're gonna, happy. I if they take a running back in round one, I'll come on here, uh, I'll come on your podcast, and I'll eat whatever <laughs> anybody says. Uh, like you can you can mail it in, and as long as it's like non toxic and edible, um, and you know it's not going to do any sort of digestive harm, then uh, I, then I will do that. But there's, I, I would be stunned. I think that would just be like outlandishly stupid but yeah yeah it happens i mean it's it's the way it goes sometimes but they don't they don't typically make outlandishly stupid mistakes you know okay colbert is as good i would say as solid of a gm as as there is in the league i uh because we mentioned him earlier as as a colts prospect uh, let's give him liam eichenberg here Mm -hmm. Um, i like that I'm also looking at his name right now, and then we can cross off the list. I'd be good with any of those tackle projects. Again, it's it's a weirdly deep 
tackle group this year, which we just never say anymore. Uh, but yeah, they, they, I just, when you're picking this late, you can't say, well, we'll wait until round two because the dudes left might not be the dudes who you want. Yeah. I agree. Uh, let's move on. Oh, last one of the show. We're already there. We are at the, the Jaguars who of course are taking Trevor Lawrence first overall in this draft. And, uh, Maybe. I mean, look, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is going to be as shocked as anyone at this point. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Jaguars look they they did a lot of rebuilding uh, with Urban Meyer coming in, and and again we'll we'll see how this kind of works out uh, in the long run. But uh, if you're looking at the Jaguars right now, like you know, I don't not not to bust on the guy i i don't know if rayshon jenkins is your answer at safety i don't think andrew wingard is a guy you want to play back there to me they have a glaring hole at safety on this team uh do you want to get you know you're, you're pretty set at linebacker do you worry about miles jack long term do you do you worry about you know how much longer showbert gonna go for and i you know i do you want a second edge rusher here with Josh Allen is it too early to give up on uh on a Kalamon Chasen at this point uh who looks more like a rotational player although I guess he's very young so now I'm just being a pessimistic turd but uh other than that uh offensive line you can never have enough of at this point do you believe in Jawan Taylor your your day two pick from a couple years ago uh but yeah I I think you're you are feeling pretty good about life right now if if uh uh, if you're the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence is already coming in. So maybe they go offense early and then defense with their second pick here. Yeah, I had um, safety or um, oddly um, interior defensive line, which I thought was kind of uh, a, z- a zag when everyone else was zigging. And the only reason that I did that was because, again, we talked at the top of the show about reading the tea leaves um, on on various – uh, people's, you know, uh, coordinators' comments and everything like that. And I think one thing stuck, stood out to me um, about um, what Joe Cullen said about his defense. Um, he said this a couple uh, in his introductory press conference. A lot of people say it's a throwing league, but if it's second and three and third and one all day, you're not going to have the opportunity to get after the quarterback. And to me, uh, in the and Jacksonville was uh, very, very bad, like painfully bad against the run last year. And so I agree with you that safety is the top need. They have a great, we have a great person on the board that we've mentioned a few times that I think slides in very nicely there. Um, but I would also, I would also like say, ah, I wouldn't be surprised because you, you have your pick of the litter for interior defensive line. Then you have the, you, you could take the top guy in the class, whoever you believe that to be. But I know it's kind of recency bias because Christian Barmore just sort of like wrecked everyone in, in the college football playoffs here. But, uh, I would put Christian Barmore at the top of the list of, of defensive tackles here. Uh, I think all of them are kind of fringy first round guys. I think Barmore is the guy who, if any of them are going to emerge as like absolute forces in the league, I think Barmore is the guy who ends up doing it. And, and, uh, you know, Joe Cullen, you were in Baltimore and you only worked with Alabama defenders while you were there. So that probably feels familiar. Um, I could totally, I could totally live with that. I think that makes plenty of sense for uh, uh, for the Jaguars here, even though they've they've spent some draft capital at that spot. Uh, obviously, new regime. They're they're not going to be tied to any of these guys. So, uh, 
Or do you do Trevin Morig too? I mean, you know, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like you have an excellent yep. safety there too. And so I think it's a toss up. Um, uh, you know, I love, I love that pick too. And if you're Cullen coming from Baltimore, you understand uh, more than anybody, the value of that position too. And so I think you couldn't go wrong there. I mean, with either of those two guys, um, you know, you could hit a home run there. Yeah. It's like they brought in Shaq Griffin to, uh, to play opposite, uh, CJ Henderson here. So it's almost like, do, do you feel good enough about your cornerbacks that you can kind of live with sort of uh, a little bit shaky play at at safety going forward here. I like both of those when, when you brought up, uh, you know, the Cullen factor and what he liked to do in Baltimore and, and the way they built that defense in Baltimore, Barmore probably makes a little more sense at this point. Um, I do realize that the Ravens had Ed Reed for many years and, and then they had, uh, Earl Thomas for a little bit and they always had good safety play and that stuff. But, um, they were always really set up front, uh, with the Ravens, and I do kind of like uh, Christian Barmore here now that we uh, sort of talked it out in our war room. I like it, yeah. I yeah. would say for the most part, outside of the fact that um, our war room might not be speaking to one another when you're the Panthers and you drafted Justin Fields, <laughs> for, the, for the most part, we have a very amenable war room. This is, uh, this is not like they tell me it is in the movies, so... <laughs> So that's gonna uh, that's gonna do it for this batch for uh, for episode three here of the mock draft series. Uh, I'll give the quick recap because that's always the best part of the show. Uh, at the Raiders at seventeen, we had J.C. Horn. Dolphins took Elijah Vera Tucker. Football team took Tevin Jenkins. The Bears took hometown hero Greg Newsom the second. Colts took Quiddy Pay. Titans took Eric Stokes. Jets took Gregory Rousseau. Liam Eichenberg to the Steelers. And then Christian Barmore to the Jaguars. Uh, it's going to be draft week next week, so we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna finish the mock draft before they do the actual draft. I think that's that's the way to go. Uh, and we still have plenty of interesting teams here. We also have the teams that don't have first round picks. We are going to assign just completely random prospects to like the Seahawks at fifty six and the Texans at sixty seven, which uh, uh, is always. I mean, that's always everyone's favorite part of the show. Uh, how are the Texans? How are the Texans going to fix this franchise with pick number sixty seven? Because they'll definitely do it. Uh, and we'll figure out who that savior is going to be. Dig it. All right, Connor. Good work in the war room this week, and we will uh, we'll see you next week. Aye, aye, Captain. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB, and Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed as well as the feeds for the Weekside Podcast and the Albert Breer Show. They're all for free on Apple Podcasts. And once you do subscribe, please leave a rating and review for all of them. It really does help other people find the shows, which are also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.